You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. The reading this morning is read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, <coughs> sorry, found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, praise team. There wasn't much debate on whether Dana was going to sing that song or me today. Um, I thank God that that song was written. We'll get to that in a minute. But I thank God even, or also that, that he gifts people in unusual ways that I am not gifted to bless us. So it has been good to receive today. I'm not able to sing much today. I've been sick most of the week. Um, I'm, I'm very thankful to have a voice, 
um, as I was sick, and then the cough started last night. I was wondering, oh no, will I even have a voice? So I have my Kleenex, I have cough drops, I'm ready to go. This text is a familiar text for us. As we are in our third week of celebrating Advent, the third week of reminding ourselves as a church body about the, the longing, the expectation of the coming King, we were reminded two weeks ago in our opening week uh, of the promise of a King, the promise that there is a King coming. We looked at that in Isaiah and we wondered what that might have been like for them to receive this promise that there is a king that's coming that is the king of all kings. And then last week, we saw the plan laid out, the plan and the announcement that not only was there the promise of a king, that the king is imminent, he's coming, and here's the plan. And the angel Gabriel showed up as a messenger to Zechariah and his wife and said, your child, you're going to have a child, and your child's going to be the forerunner. He's going to come and announce even more so that, look what's coming behind me, that's Jesus, he is the king. And then the Gabriel showed up with Mary and said to her, you will have a child. And here we have in this text what we can see as, let's just sort of put it tritely, this is breaking news. This is big. This is news that will invite us from this day forward to behold the king. We learn that in this text, his ways are not our ways. And truly God does things that are not the way that we would do things. Or to say it like Mary said it, what we read last week, nothing is impossible with God. We look at this news and we see it sort of shared in two different ways. Um, Luke in verses 1 through 7, the way Bill read it is the way that it was supposed to be read. It's just sort of factual. If you just read verse 1 through 7 and you'd never read it before, you never heard it before, you would just read it like you're just reading some sort of um, things that are happening within a city. Okay, this happened and this happened and they moved down here and there wasn't any room and so they went to the manger and a baby was born. That's oh, the firstborn of Mary. That's the way it kind of reads, right? Let's look at some particulars in those first seven verses. It says here that the world should be registered. We know this is the world of this time that all of those went to their hometown. They were to go. It's, it's census time. The king had declared that you go back. It's time to reunite with your family. Like them or not, it's time to go back home, get connected again, be counted. You are to travel back to the place of your birth or even more so the place of your lineage, where your family is from. It was time for each individual to reestablish their identity. This is, would be mixed for so many people. I've got to go back there. I've tried to leave there. I don't want to go back. I've got to re-identify with I'm a person from this region. If it were today and this decree came, airports would be crowded. I mean, it would be packed. You'd be lucky to get placed on standby of your least favorite airline. It would be amazing as you would travel. Buckies would make a lot of business. Money would flow through the hotels and through the, the travel agents as things would be booked up and be full. 
We think about that, but really, think there is no calling ahead. There is no getting on um, uh, Priceline.com to get the best deals. No, it's first come, first serve, and this would create chaos. So just in the details and the facts of verses 1 through 7, a lot is happening. Joseph and Mary travel from Nazareth. We looked at that last week. They travel from Nazareth to King David's city. It is time for them to re-identify as descendants from one of the greatest kings that they've ever seen. This is King David's city. This is Bethlehem. It was here and it was then that Mary would give birth to her son and she laid him in a manger because there were no hotels, no motels, no inns. Other than the assumed stress that Mary and Joseph had in the travel to this great distance expecting this baby, everything else was just sort of ordinary. Not much to highlight. The story in verses 1 through 7 reads like just kind of a, a plain folk sort of dialogue. Here's what happened on this day for this family. We've seen this story before. We seem almost bored with it. And then we get to verse 8. There's one way to read this news, verses 1 through 7. Here's the facts. And then we see another story revealed, verses 8 through 20. And this announcement comes in a way just like God, unlike anything else we've ever seen before. This just happened, and here's what this means. As we look into verses 8 through 20, before we look at three observations that I want to pull from this, there's a lot we can do with this chapter. I want us just to real briefly skim over the who, the where, the when, and the what of verses 8 through 20. Let's look at the who. We see shepherds and we see angels. If you are here last week, you know that's profound just to say that. We're used to it in 2018 because we're used to seeing angels everywhere or depictions of angels everywhere. We're used to singing about them. But for this moment and this time, this was unusual. We see shepherds. This is a job no one wants. Shepherds, angels, beings that no one understood. So we see Beings that no one understood connecting with shepherds who are doing a job that nobody wants. They're engaged in an experience, in an encounter that no one would have planned. That's the who. What about the where? Verse 8, we see, it says in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. It is a barren field. We know this because sheep are not going to gather where and sort of eat and, and take care of themselves in a place where there's a lot of activity. They're sheep. They're frightened. They're scared. So this has got to be a place where no one else is at. We know that no, it's a barren field because no one else is there. It's just shepherds. It's a barren field. Shepherds, a job no one wants. Beings, angels that no one understands in a place where no one wants to be. We don't know why it happened in the field. Perhaps maybe they didn't want to draw attention to the king of kings. They didn't want to raise awareness to all the enemies of the king of kings. Maybe just one last few minutes, few hours of privacy 
for Mary and Joseph. So the party, the celebration, the announcement went out to a place where no one would have scheduled it. We see the when it happened at night. A shift that no one wants. If you're a shepherd and you're like, okay, I got the day shift, good. I can go, I can be at night with my family, I can eat with them. The census is going on, everything's really crazy. But no, these guys get stuck with the night shift. Working in a place where no one wants to be, in a job that no one wants, at a time where no one would want to do it. And then the angels show up. And they show up with an announcement. And it's an announcement that no one would believe that no one could understand unless it came with this much weight. Let's see the announcement. And the angel said to them, this is the third time, by the way, you've heard it in reading today. Luke read it. We read it as we read the scriptures and now we're reading it again. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is a great announcement. He is here. He's been promised. He's been announced. And now I'm saying he is here. Not just a King of Kings, but a Savior. Christ, the Christ, is here. And you'll find him, not on a throne, you'll find him away as a baby in a manger. This is the first grand announcement of the King of Kings. So let's observe several things from this text that we, that we need to pull from this. This might sound like I'm reaching here, but I think it's important for us. Our theme throughout the month is that um, just like God, but unlike anything we've ever seen. Well, let's observe this. From the story of Mary and Joseph leaving Nazareth, all, going all the way down to Bethlehem, from the shepherds being in a place that they didn't really know anything spectacular was going to happen, we can observe that when just when you think that everything in life seems plain and ordinary, God might be doing a thousand other things. This is important for us as we get into the routine of Christmas and maybe you're starting to get stressed out about this or this or maybe you're just like, okay, I don't want to miss that Christmas spirit. It's important for us to realize that even in the mundane, even in the routine, even in the order from the law to leave Nazareth and go back to Bethlehem, God is up to something big. When you wake up in the morning and things seem routine and you're bored with life, just submit to the reality or submit to the thought that in my boredom, maybe God's got something extraordinary today. You ever thought about that? Mary and Joseph went and they traveled. They landed in a place. I am sort of shocked that there's not more shock that they were born, he was born in a manger. The understanding might be that there's probably a lot of families that didn't have room in inns, that they had to go and stay in this place, in this place, in this place, that were not in hotels. This is just one more family, but we know God is up to something amazing. Shepherds just pulling the night shift 
out in a barren field, God is up to something. That's the first thing we observe here, and it's, it's not as profound as the next two things, but I think that's important to remember when we're thinking about our relationship with God. But let's observe some possibilities of why God announces the news this way. Now, just speculating here, but when we can observe something from God's story, it teaches us something about who he is. Why does God do it this way? Perhaps this announcement is too good for any building or any cathedral. It's too big to be stuck in the temple. This is big. It's too pure for human hands to plan out a ceremony. It's too holy for man-organized events. It's too righteous for politics to get their hands on it. Politicians to maneuver it, to gain leverage from it. Perhaps it's happening this way out in a place that no one expected because it is to be preserved as holy. This is just the announcement. The announcement is to be preserved as holy. Perhaps the moment is a holy moment, a moment of celebration, a moment of adoration, and the angel that first declared this to the shepherds wanted them to preserve it that way. Perhaps. Maybe another thing we can observe or why it happened this way is this announcement presents to us, presents to them a good reminder that this news is for all people. Did you catch it here? The angel said to them, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I'm not going to constrain this news. This news is not just limited for the people of Israel. This news is to be including all of those who will hear it. And believe it. And if this just happened in the temple, forever and always, maybe the Gentiles would feel like, I'm not worthy of that news. I'm not a Jewish person. I can't hear that news. That happened in the temple. I'm not allowed to ever be in there. No, we're all allowed to be in the field. <laughs> Tending the sheep. This news is for all. These are observations that we make that, that sometimes maybe the boring, boring and ordinary that's going on in your life, it might mean that God is doing a whole bunch of other things around you. But also the observance that we have is that when God does stuff, he's working on and with plans that we don't always know about. There's a third observation here that we see. There's a response to this news. Let us observe the response. First, from the angels then by the shepherds. I love to see the response. They share the news, verses 10 through 13, and then we see verse, um, I mean, 10 through 11. Then we see verse 12, more of the announcement. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and lying in a major. Verse 13, catch this. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Observe with me that the response to the good news of the gospel is worship. It's amazing. The angels could have said anything. The angels could have said, I mean, if I'm an angel and I'm knowing who I'm talking to, I'm like, you guys aren't going to get this. You're going to blow this. You're going to mess it up. No, they don't get into all that. The news is good enough. The Savior has come. We've seen the workings. I've sent to announce this. And, oh, here's a few of my homies here. And we're just going to worship the Lord. Because the only thing we know to do right now is worship. Observe the response to the message of the gospel. And the angels sing. They worship. And we see the shepherds do something similar. Look with me in verse 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's document and let's try to name all the angels. Let's try to paint the angels. Let's try to talk about the angels. No, you don't see that here. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us the shepherds sort of stumbled on to a worship scene and their response was I want to know more give me more of that message If that message calls the heavenly host to do what the heavenly host just did, I want to know that personally for me. i got to get after this. And so they went to Bethlehem and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. So now it's the second announcement. Angels announced it. To the shepherds, the shepherds now evangelize and they're telling other people. Now they're wondering about it. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Listen to this, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and seen as it has been told to them. This text teaches us a few things about natural and true and authentic worship. A few things, if I might. Worship of God is not restricted just for the elite. Those who have their act together, they're the only ones that could worship God. No, that's not what we see here. I don't know what kind of week you've had. I don't know when and how often you sinned this week. You gave in to something you should not have given in to. And you know better and you shouldn't. And you walk through these doors and you're hearing them sing. And these songs are coming in. And you feel like the enemy's trying to tell you you're not supposed to sing that. The shepherds had no religious pedigree here. 
They're just shepherds. And if I'm picturing shepherds, they're shepherds doing shepherd stuff. Alone. No mom there. Just boys. Okay, I mean, I don't know that, but you can assume that there's, they're just humans. They're just real. They're just being. And the Word of God comes to them, and worship happens in their midst. True and authentic worship isn't just for those who have their act together. Another thing we learn about true and authentic worship here is that, similarly, it's not just for the religiously astute or the perfect attenders. You don't have to be churchy to worship rightly. We don't have time for this, but the encounter with Jesus with the woman at the well, when Jesus tells this broken down woman, I desire worshipers true of heart. She didn't have an idea of truly how to worship. She was just hungry for God. If you were hungry for God, come into this place week after week with me as a sinner saved by grace just like you and just go God lift me up in worship today worship him not worship me but lift me up lift me out of the muck and mire as we sing these songs to God another thing we learn from worship here is this is important for us in our schedules and our styles True and authentic worship is not always at the optimal time, at the preferred location, with the classiest people. This was nighttime in a field with smelly sheep. Angel said, there. That's where we're going to announce it. That's where we're going to worship. This is where God's going to get glorified. This is where the grassroots movement is going to begin. With the gospel and us responding in worship. Notice here also that, I mean, this is something I'm going to point out. I don't know if the shepherds knew the song that they sang. Suddenly there was an angel With the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The shepherds probably did not know the words. I doubt they walked away going, Well, you're just excluding me because you didn't sing the words I know. There is no conflict here of them saying, I don't understand this style. I don't understand this way. I don't know. They hear the good news. They're in awe of authentic worship and they're like, this is good. The point is, you don't have to know the history of every song. You don't have to know the story. You don't even have to know the words to, to be able to taste and see that something is good when it's real authentic Worship. Let me give you an example. Story was that in Rockmore, France, at the end of 1843, the church organ had recently been renovated. So to celebrate this event, the parish priest asked a wine merchant and a poet, Plas- I'm going to mess up this name, Placide Capel, Capu, Capau, Capu, we'll call it Capu. A wine merchant and a poet who was native to the town, and he asked this wine merchant poet to write a poem. This is a priest 
This would be like somebody from this church going to the Chupacabra, and here there's a poet in there. Okay, I want you to write a poem. Even though the poet had never shown any interest in religion, Kapu obliged. Soon afterwards, that same year, a man named Adolf Adam got a hold of the poem. He composed music for this poem. That song was premiered in Rockmore, France in 1847 by an opera singer, Emily Laurie. A Unitarian minister later translated the song, O Holy Night, to English. What if people showed up and said, I don't like the motives for where this song was written? What if they didn't like where it came from? Oh, it was a guy from the bar. I don't. We're supposed to check and evaluate whether worship is true and authentic and real. That's something that we're supposed to be watching. But when it is real, whenever you can say the thrill of hope, a weary world now rejoices. It almost like it doesn't matter where the message is coming from. Is that the gospel? The shepherds did not turn away because they did not know the song. They were just caught up in the truth that they could not deny. This is real. This is good. I can't believe we're partakers of this. I don't understand it all, so let's now go and find out for ourselves. The angels sing a chorus, and they sang it almost like they couldn't help themselves. I love that the angels didn't take a poll. Okay, shepherds, you just heard that news. Before we start singing, I want to make sure you all know this song. Everybody got their handouts? The angels shared the news and they just erupted. Glory to God in the highest. This is what happens when we know the perfect beautiful king of kings and what his message is about when we have that relationship to him we don't see how ugly we are we see how beautiful he is and we kind of get lost in that that is what we're after as a church body every week we might sing songs you like we might sing songs you don't like but what we're after is worship of truth and spirit that we can come together and we can say behold the king of kings. What we see here in the, about worship also is that pure and holy worship is profound and it's the only appropriate response to the gospel. The song says it all. A Savior has come. Glory to God. It's the only response, like there's no, it doesn't make sense that a Savior would come to these people. It doesn't make sense that God would be that kind. They didn't do it. They're not believing it. They're not trusting it. This is just what God's doing. God did this. So, glory to God. I love that this message, glory to God in the highest, declares the rank of God. And then it quickly moves into the ministry of God. 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Glory to God in the highest. You are ranked higher than anything else. Oh no, that's not good. I can't deal with that. Oh, there's another part of the message? Yes, peace through Christ. This is good news. This is why we gladly and unapologetically say, Behold the King of kings. He is of the highest rank and He is of the greatest mercy even for you. Pure and holy worship creates new and more worshipers. We see in verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God. Their life changed. Why? People that doing a job that nobody wants, working in a place nobody wanted to be, at a shift work that nobody wanted, just doing what they're supposed to be doing, and God comes near to them with a message. They go, check it out. They become worshipers, and they become evangelizers. This isn't really the time or place to talk about my method and my strategy for evangelism in the world. Isn't that we memorize certain statements and all this stuff? No, it's do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Then do you worship him? Then you just go, just go. I don't have to tell you what to say. If you worship God, you're going to tell people about the one you adore. So that's where we are this morning as we Consider this third Sunday of Advent. When you get bogged down with life, consider that God is on the move. Consider even though you don't see it, you might be overwhelmed, you might be bored, you might be stressed, you might be sort of complacent, but God might really be up to something big. Just when you're bored or feeling all those things in this next couple of weeks, going into the new year, just say, God, what are you up to? Make me hear what I need to hear. Open my eyes, open my ears to your work. Remind you that secondly, we observed that God's ways are not our ways. Message came to places where we would have never planned it. He did things that we would have never done. So let's not put God in a box. So many times we are asking the question about this worship event today from 3 to 6. Well, well, what is it? What are we doing? We're just simply saying we don't really know what God wants to do. We're just inviting you to come and let's just sing about him. Let's talk about him. Well, what's the order? What's the plan? What am I supposed to bring? Just, Just come. Just come and adore the King of Kings with us. It's a simple invitation. We don't know what God wants to do, but he might be doing something extraordinary in our lives. So as we close, I want to encourage you today. Look for the unexpected, what God's doing. Open your heart to what he might be doing that's big. And if you don't know this good news that we see in verse 10 and 11, this Savior that's come for you. When we break out our time here, just come and ask one of us, can you tell me more about this Savior? Do what the shepherds did. You experienced 
Dana and the group singing, Oh, Holy Night. Wow, that was cool. You heard the preaching. Wow, God does things in unusual ways. But I want to learn more. Do what the shepherds did. Go and find out more. Come talk to us. We want to introduce you to the Lord and Savior. Don't wait for a proper ceremony. Don't wait for you to be cleaned up and perfect. Just come. Learn. And for those of us who know and embrace this news already, sing like it. Sing like saved people. This story is a reminder that just like God and unlike anything we've ever seen before, God is pressing forward with his news. It's a story that begins with his rank, and it's a story that's offering joy and peace to you. Let's sing about this news today. Heavenly Father, as I have thought about this text this week and I've thought about my own sins, I really can understand why weary people can rejoice. Because even me, Lord, a sinner, has no right to talk about you, to sing of you, to have a relationship with you. But the good news is that you sent your Son to save me. And this weary soul can rejoice forever and ever and ever. Oh God, I pray that we as a church get addicted to worshiping you. I pray that We love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when we don't, in your kindness, lead us to repent from those things that we do love more than you. This Christmas, Lord, come near to us. Rescue the bored. Rescue those that are stressed out. Remind them of the way that you work, ways that we can't understand but ways that we can trust and celebrate that it's for our peace and for our joy. In Christ alone we pray. Amen.